Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. $535 million transaction, the largest transaction in the state of Florida. I estimated the overall value of the property at about $800 million. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. I'm here with today's guest, Jack McCabe. Hi, Jack. Hi, Joe. How you doing? I am doing well, my friend. Glad to have you on the show. Jack's joining us from, I imagine it's sunny, Deerfield Beach, Florida. Correct me if I'm wrong if it's not sunny, though, Jack. Well, it's been a sunny morning and we've got a storm rolling in, so it's fairly typical uh, southeast Florida weather. One of my last interviews during the lightning round, there was actually thunder and lightning striking and crashing in the background. It was it was pretty incredible. <laughs> well, I'm hoping it's going to hold off till we're through, but I know it's about 60% chance of thunderstorms. We've got some pretty ugly clouds rolling in right now. Well, I hope it holds off as, as well, unless, of course, it's during the lightning round. A little bit about Jack. He's the CEO of McCabe Research and Consulting, where they do market research reports and feasibility studies. So they are the company to go to for, one, to learn a market, and then, two, if you're a developer, to see if it's, it's feasible or not to develop. And then non-real estate related, but certainly interesting for those golfers out there. Last two rounds of golf, he shot a 78, which I am not a golfer, but I've been told under 80 is good for, as he says, an old guy like me, an end quote. And I would not call you an old guy, but I think that's something that you said, so I'm just repeating you. So with that being said, Jack, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. I've uh, 
had a 33-year real estate career. I started out selling homes for a regional home builder in the Chicago suburbs. I uh, was offered a position with the large national home builder to move down to Raleigh as their sales manager. And following that, I moved up into operations management, division management with several national home builders in different markets around the country. I opened up my real estate research and consulting business in 2001 here in Southeast Florida, and uh, it's worked out very well. So uh, planted roots here in Florida and plan to stay. So many things to talk to you about with over 33 years of real estate experience. The first thing is why go into market research arena and consulting arena versus what you were focused on before? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. It was kind of a necessity creating a job opportunity. I came down here to go to work for a large national real estate research firm. And after about four months, they had some financial problems and we had a national teleconference call where they told everybody they were closing half the offices, which included the three here in Florida. So I was out of a job after moving down here to be with them after four months. But I looked at what they were doing and they were planning on stopping different products that were actually excellent products down here. One in particular was a apartment research report that they did on a quarterly basis. And there was a tremendous need and very little competition because it was micro research, project specific information. And I looked at my partner and I said, you know, I think we can do this. So I found uh, an old IBM fellow who was retired, and we created a database using all the fields that I thought were very pertinent to apartment developers, managers, and operators, and also asking them for other fields of data that they thought was important. And I found that uh, they were very willing to subscribe to my new apartment research product because there just wasn't anything like it down here in South Florida and a tremendous need for it. So it was out of necessity. I was out of a job and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I thought, you know, I can do what uh, this company did, only I can do it better and make it a success. When you look at market research for apartments, what are the main things that you look for whenever you're evaluating a market? We did both macro and micro research. So we had project-specific information on 676 major apartment complexes in the three southeast Florida counties. And that ran the gamut, over 100 different fields of data, everything from complete unit mixes, accurate HVAC square footages, utility services, amenities in the project, tax and information, recent sales data, and kind of on and on. So um, we just found to really get a perspective to get a good macro view. You really had to dig down at the micro level first. And from those micro individual reports, we created trend reports um, that had very accurate information. In fact, ours, we we scrubbed uh, consistently to make it as close to 100% accurate as possible. We found that a lot of our competitors were very happy if they reached a 70% correct data. So we thought that we were going to go the extra mile and create a much better product. But instead of looking at a sampling of information, we were going to take the whole market. And we found that our analysis came out quite different from these other firms. Pretend that you're starting from scratch and you are looking to invest in any market in the United States for multifamily. What information 
are you wanting to get your hands on first? The two biggest drivers, both for apartment rental as well as for sale residential product, are population growth and job growth. So I'm looking for areas of the country that are seeing increasing population, but also are developing good jobs. And it's uh, in Florida, for example, we have the population gains, but we're not creating the good jobs. But the population gains are substantial enough that it's a great market down here. Areas like uh, Texas that has had sufficient population gains, but has also had excellent job growth and higher paying job growth. That's why Texas has become the number one economy of all the United States. So I'm, I'm looking for those two particular things. But then also what the makeup of the area is, what kind of changing trends that we're seeing are, are, is inventory increasing? Is that inventory being absorbed? Is there opportunity for rental rate increases? Is there a sufficient amount of, say, B and C properties where you can add value and increase rental rates to give a better profitable return, return on investment? So it's, it's a, a wide variety of things. And then once you get down into the markets and you have to look at each project and, and the sub-market, what's going on there, what's happening with these projects. You may think you have a home run and you go to inspect the property and find out you may have to replace all the roofs or it's going to require electrical or HVAC uh, major expenditures. And maybe the previous owner hasn't sufficiently placed money in reserves to cover those expenses. So it, it gets, I mean, it's a wide variety of information that you have to look at, I think, to find, to separate a home run from what could be a, a real money loser. When you look at the population growth and job growth, it needs to be increasing. But what do we compare that to? Because one person from the previous year would be increasing and one more job than previous year. So do you compare it against the national average? Do you compare it against, you know, uh, historical? Do you do look at the last two years, five years? How do you kind of dig a little bit deeper there? Nowadays, you have to, once again, you have to look at historical data, what's gone on in the last 10 years and then get down to the last five. Most importantly, because we've seen real estate fundamentals go out the window over the last 15 years, and many things have changed from the previous history over the last 50 years. So I think it, you really have to look at what's going on in that market over the last couple years as well. Um, and is it something that has staying power, or is this, for instance, the, the housing up in North Dakota to uh, house all the oil workers that have moved up there. They're finding out now that they're closing down a lot of those housing facilities because a lot of the oil workers are leaving because of the uh, tremendous amount of oil reserves that we currently have and are shutting down operations now. So you have to look at what kind of staying power, what kind of job growth. 20 years ago, Texas uh, rose and sank with uh, the prices of, of energy. Now Texas is much more diversified and has uh, some of the best health care and hospitals and doctors in, in the world or in Houston and, and throughout Texas. But they've seen a lot of high-tech, computer, biotech growth as well. So it's a much more diversified economy, attracting a lot of and creating a lot of higher-paying jobs. 
And yet the price of residential real estate in Texas overall, as say compared to Florida, is considerably lower. So you have much more uh, better opportunity, I think, to possibly create some A properties uh, in that market. Whereas in Florida, you have a lot of people right now that are having a very hard time covering their housing expenses. And possibly the best way to go in Florida might be with more affordable housing. The problem is with the skyrocketing price of land, materials, and labor, it's hard to do an affordable housing uh, project, especially apartments, and, and have a favorable profit. When you talk to investors and they're reaching out to you for your services and you provide your services with the market research, what are some of the common things that you think surprises them about what they find? Well, developers, lenders, people whose income is dependent on residential development and growth tend to all feel that a project that they think is going to be a great hit, they get emotionally involved in it, similar to somebody looking to buy a single-family home. They may buy out of emotion instead of practicality. A lot of times they think that their project is going to be a home run no matter what because they think they're going to do a better job than the, the competition. And I think one of the hardest things to do is, is to get them to realize, and I had this problem especially back in 2007 and 2008 with different clients, is to get them to realize that no matter how good a developer they are, no matter how good a location they are, that economic conditions or certain other variables may have a negative impact on their property. So getting somebody to hold back on a project at a time when it may not be worth going ahead is, is something that I have to deal with. For me to sit and tell a developer that this is not a good idea at this particular time, the developer quite honestly looks at me and thinks, what the hell does this guy know? I've just built five very successful properties in the, in the last few years. So you have that resistance, I think, amongst developers once they're emotionally tied in a project and they've already put some money into due diligence to convince them that it may not be the best idea as planned. Maybe it requires some variations to really make it successful, or maybe it's just not the right time, or it may not even be the right product for that particular area. But um, that's, you know, developers and or, or mavericks. Um, lenders look at things different from a spreadsheet point of view, and, and many of them are not real estate knowledge sophisticated, but because they're so financially sophisticated, they may have some differences in, in what you are reporting as far as the success of a project they may look at making construction financing for. I've done a lot of business with hedge funds over the last seven years, and I found that they tend to be very strong-minded individuals, especially the ones in New York and Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> but... Um, you know, there was tremendous opportunity created by the foreclosure crisis that we had in, in many states, Florida being at the top of the list, and that because there were so many homes going into foreclosure in different neighborhoods that where it was difficult to manage single-family homes from a rental operation previously, and it was kind of left up to the individual operators, now there was great opportunity in that you may be able to buy 50 or 60 homes in a very close proximity or several hundred or even thousands. 
And so I've worked with a number of uh, different hedge funds on acquiring single-family homes and portfolios over the last few years. But once again, it's they look at things from a different perspective. They're more balance sheet-minded. They're higher profits, quicker returns. And so their criteria for what is successful may be different from what a real estate analyst may point out to them. So it's, you know, I think it gets into just the different industries that are involved, the different personalities. These are generally all top-notch people that many of them are extremely well-educated. A lot of them Ivy League uh, master degrees and, and very sharp. But uh, what they may have in book learning or they may have in financial uh, knowledge, they may lack in real estate knowledge. And that's where you bump heads sometimes. If you were talking to a sixth grader and you had to tell the sixth grader how to determine if a project is ready to be developed or not. So if, if a piece of land is ready to have some apartments on it, and I'm thinking apartments, just to narrow the scope, what would you tell the sixth grader? Because basically when you talk to me, it's basically like talking to a sixth grader. <laughs> what, would you, what would you tell the sixth grader that you need to make sure you have if you're going to develop this piece of land into apartments? Oh, I think I'd tell them that Boy, there sure is a lot of people that want to live close to you because it's such a nice area, but they need to have homes. And not all of them can afford a single-family home like you live in. A lot of them need to have an apartment and be able to save up for a single-family home. Or maybe they just don't want all the hassle with mowing the grass and maintaining and getting up on the roof like your daddy does. But they need a place to live. And they want to live here, too, and they've got kids who want to go to the same school you go to. So I think that it's important that uh, this apartment complex has an opportunity and you get to have some new friends to, to go to school with and play with. Wow, you nailed it. And that wasn't even what I was intending to ask, but you rolled with it really nicely. What I meant to ask is pretend the sixth grader is wanting to develop and you're trying to determine the feasibility of if they should or shouldn't develop, what would you tell them are the most important things they should look for in order to determine if they should develop and be the youngest developer in the history of sixth graders? I'd tell them that people want to live here and that there's an awful lot of jobs that are being created in the area and they need people to fill those jobs. And this is a really nice piece of property, and it's in a great location. It's uh, got a very affordable price, and I think that we can make a nice profit in the future. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, I think so. Let's give it a whack. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Get clarity and insight on your money by using Wella, your digital financial advisor. See all your accounts in one place and get all the answers to your questions from a real financial advisor anytime. Visit yourwella.com to get started. That's Y-O-U-R-W-E-L-A dot com. What's the best ever book you've read? Oh, you know, I've read a lot of good ones, but I'd have to say the most recent one I read was A Course Called Ireland, written by Tom Coynes, where he walked around the entire 
country of Ireland and played every golf course in this path. It was fascinating. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? I think being a single father for a large part of my adult life was the biggest personal growth that I've ever done. And learning how to be a mom and a dad at the same time is uh, you really have to grow. Best ever success habit you practice? Oh, that would have to be getting a job done and never allowing myself to stop to meet a deadline. So I think it's very important that you, you set a goal and you set a deadline to achieve that goal and you do whatever it takes. And if it means that you stay up day and night and day and night to get the work done, then that's what you do. What's the best ever deal you've done? Well, from my perspective, I've consulted on many large deals. As an example, last year, I did a market feasibility study for the buyers of the Western Diplomat and Spa in Hollywood, Florida. That was a $535 million transaction, the largest transaction in the state of Florida. And I think it was a tremendous buy for the buyers because I estimated the overall value of the property at about $800 million. Now, for my personal business, I've had some large deals with large uh, international banks like Credit Suisse and others that were in the several hundred thousand dollar range uh, to perform a number of market studies for me. Do you have a sample study that you've done that you can share with the best ever listeners so that they can get a good sense of the type of reporting that you do? The reports that I've done in the past have primarily been for commercial users and on commercial type properties and paid on a commercial scale. What I am going to do, Joe, is I'm just starting this up now is I'm going to be writing a monthly real estate investment newsletter that's going to be geared more to consumers. And I'm going to offer that at $250 a year. It'll include 12 months. And it will also include my recommendations for different real estate investments that will run the gamut of different types, different sizes. For consumers out there that would like my advice, I'd be very happy to help them with that through the newsletter. Do you have some sort of, whether it's a sample of a report or some sort of newsletter, like the first one or something that you can share with best ever listeners that I can put in the show notes? Yeah, I've got an example newsletter I'd be happy to furnish to you for them. Awesome. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Well, I'm also working on putting together a fund to buy what I call zombie foreclosures. These are homes that are in foreclosure where the owner has already vacated the premises and they're sitting empty. But I'm going to focus not like on the hedge funds did on lower price properties that can be rented out. I'm going to focus on the higher priced ones that I believe there is great opportunity to buy and turn over for a very excellent profit. And focused here in Florida, I put together a database of 997 different properties that had mortgages of $400,000 and above around the state. And I'm putting together an LLC group right now for different investors that would like to invest on a passive basis. Very cool. Very cool. So you're basically flipping high-end homes? That's correct. Yeah, they've been basically ignored, and there's many of them in, in many different areas of the country. The hedge funds have focused once again on the lower price homes that were easy to rent out to the majority of middle-income uh, household earners. 
but um, there's a large portfolio of these higher priced homes in different markets around the country. Now, with prices having skyrocketed so much, I believe there's opportunity to negotiate buying the notes from the banks and then doing deed in lieu of foreclosures with the different owner occupiers that are vacated, offering them that you will not foreclose on them and that you will not file for a deficiency judgment. They won't have their credit damaged so they can get on with their lives. Best ever way you like to give back? You know, Joe, it's doing things like this with you, but also I do a a variety of different speaking engagements to different groups, many of them that I'm not compensated for, but specifically to consumers, to give consumers advice in what I think is a a world of real estate that primarily is high fluff and puff. And most people have a vested interest, uh, it's putting money in their pocket, and so the advice that uh, most consumers hear is generally swayed that way. And I've tried to be an independent voice that offered both the good and the bad, but from an objective standpoint, to consumers to help them with their largest purchases ever. So that's my way of giving back is to help individuals with mortgage advice and real estate advice. And it's done my heart good to help many because I get a lot of letters and emails and phone calls from people saying that, you know, they listened to me and took my advice and where others lost their homes and lost their incomes, they came through it okay and they they want to thank me. So that's all I need, Joe. Best ever quote. Oh, and I think uh, I'd I'd like to use one that to me was a little funny because it was so polar opposite, but it represents the hype, fluff, and puff in real estate. This is a book title, actually. Why the Real Estate Boom Will Not Bust and How You Can Profit From It. Now, that'd be a great book title, and the author, David LeRae, who is the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, very respected name, problem with the book is it came out in 2006 right before the market crashed and prices dropped by 30 to 50 percent around the country so it's uh one i kind of look at and I actually have a signature in the book as well met him and <laughs> i get a kick out of it every time i see it what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate well you know i think joe it, If I had it to do over again, I probably would have become a principal owner and investor as opposed to an analyst because I've tried to maintain my credibility in being objective and independent. And to do that, I haven't invested in different real estate opportunities that have come my way that would have been very profitable. But at the same point, it may have colored my analysis, and that was something I never wanted to be accused of. So I think if I had it to do over again, I might just do it using my knowledge from an investor standpoint and not as an analyst and advisor role. Would you be able to invest now in markets that you're not doing an analysis in? For clients, it's kind of weird, right? I realized once that came out of my mouth, it's like, well, why would you invest in areas you don't know? So it's like... Yeah, and I think it's it's smart for most any investor, especially small investors, to invest in the area where they do live or, or where they do work or they visit uh, consistently because I think you really need to keep an eye on your properties, especially if you're a direct owner, if you're participating and not just a passive investor. But I do analysis and I do work for companies all over the country, not just in in Florida. And 
I have somewhat of a national reputation. A lot of these companies that do business in Florida also do it in many other markets. I just never wanted anybody to say that I was advising a market was good because maybe I had a client that was active in that area or wanted to be. Lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? Well, you can find me lots of ways. If you Google Jack McCabe, it'll bring up an unbelievable number of articles and videos and CNBC and other television interviews. Our direct phone number is area code 954-420-2929. Our website is mccaberesearch.com. And uh, any of those ways will lead you to our address and phone number and how to get a hold of them. Jack, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about market research from you know 33 years of experience in the industry and what you've learned, how you approach consulting with clients, being generous enough to send a sample newsletter that you'll, if you can send to me, I'll, I'll include in the show notes page for all the best ever listeners to download and get a taste of what you're talking about. And, you know, talking about really everybody's got to evaluate a market. Everyone's got to find the market and you really boiled it down to the basics and the fundamentals based on your experience. And that is the two main factors. One is job growth and one is population. And if it's growing and looking at the 10 year trends, the five year trends, and then boiling it down and and getting even closer um, and looking at what are the fundamentals within the market, what its absorption rate, what are some of the things that you look for, where are the opportunities. So thank you so much again, Jack, for being on the show. Is there anything you want to mention to the best ever listeners before we sign off? No, I just be very careful and responsible and Don't ever buy into something that looks too good to be true, because I can tell you from my years of experience, it never is. And Joe, thank you very much. I appreciate you inviting me, and I hope that my advice is a benefit to your best best listeners. Thank you so much, Jack. Talk to you soon. You're welcome. Bye now. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.